0: Hello, and welcome in again to another episode of the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. I'm Matt Vincent, Editor-in-Chief of Data Center Frontier, joined here uh, with my editorial counterpart, uh, David Chernikoff, Senior Editor of Data Center Frontier, and with our guest, Steve Madden, who is VP of Digital Transformation and Segmentation with Equinix. Welcome in, Steve. How are you doing?
1: I'm good thank you thanks for having me
0: absolutely glad to have you uh, on the podcast and uh, glad to uh, have uh, equinix, equinix uh, back uh, on the podcast so uh, the reason we're here today of course is to uh, discuss um, a report a new report that came out uh, released uh, this week i believe by equinix the global interconnection index GXI 2024 uh, report. Um, as a study Equinix commissions each year, we know that the GXI is a study that surveys global IT leaders to gather insight on what's behind the digital economy. So, uh, Steve, I wanted to kick off by asking you, uh, based on this year's uh, findings in the report, why is it Equinix's belief that the industry has hit a tipping point? In resourcing uh, resourcing decisions, um, vis-a-vis the notion that buying your own IT hardware now puts customers uh, or can put customers at a competitive uh, disadvantage.
1: Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. So that that report um, has been running for seven years, and so there's an evolving story. But yeah, you're right. The report is basically saying that, given what we've seen before and now, and a forecasting in the future, um, it is becoming more likely that people will choose to subscribe and not not invest in capital and infrastructure hardware and the reason the top reasons why um, we saw first of all when when covert hit right that was definitely a um, an accelerator for people to be able to deploy infrastructure quickly and compensate for the shift in, in demand and where people move to home etc and they couldn't do that uh, in a short time frame on their own. And so they subscribed. They subscribed to providers who had capacity, anyone, in fact, who had capacity, um, started offering it up to help people compensate for that change. And they realized as part of that, how quickly they were able to enable business capabilities um, and how fast that was by using other people who've already done most of the work um, as an advantage. And then when COVID finished, we didn't see that drop back off. A lot of people then realize that actually this is much easier um, and a lot more manageable than having to procure and install and test and configure and maintain and look after equipment um, themselves especially in multiple locations around the world Um, and so that's that was one one reason for doing it right and i think now when you see the advent of ai and and the, the the high speed compute and the innovations coming out and we've got new chip technologies coming The rate of refresh and the rate of of advancement in technology is moving so quickly that depreciation cycles that might have been five years or three years are coming down to two and in some cases less than two. So if you're going to be refreshing or moving that quickly, it starts to become hugely cumbersome to spend all that time and all that effort of installing and configuring and decommissioning and refreshing hardware when you can just subscribe um, to what you need as you need it as you go. Right, and so that that boy is happening now. Understood, uh, David.
0: Uh, did you want to jump in here with uh, one of your uh, questions? Well, at any rate, uh, while we wait for uh, David to uh, get off uh, mute, um, the GX. Uh, uh, Steve, uh, the GXI report uh, uh, found that 80% of enterprises will design and run new digital IT infrastructure using subscription-based services by uh, 2026. So, I wanted to ask you, um, sort of uh, zooming out in terms of, uh, you know, drawing on some of the report's more meaningful findings related to uh, current data center trends and predictions uh, in digital. Uh, transformation, uh, what that uh, data point uh, will uh, will mean for data centers in 2024, uh, according to uh, Equinix.
1: Sure. Yeah. So overarchingly, what the report is showing is that, you know, exchanging data, growth of data, processing data is all still growing and compounding growth. Um, interconnection bandwidth itself, that's the exchange of traffic between you know, counterparties is growing at 34% compound annual growth each year. That growth rate is requiring infrastructure to support it. So people are still buying interconnection, they're buying networking, they're buying compute, they're buying storage to solve for this, this huge influx in, in growth of data. Um, and that's actually despite supply chain constraints or geopolitical and economic instabilities, it's still, digital still growing exponentially. And so the demand for data center and the need for IT capabilities and processing, and the investment, business investment, in technology as a revenue center, not just a cost center, is all growing. And so the demand is gonna to continue to grow. And, and likewise, providers like Equinix are trying to keep up with it just like everybody else.
0: Understood. Um, so in the GXI report, um, service providers are uh, forecast to consume 62% of interconnection bandwidth. Yep. Um, can you expand on that data point and the idea that uh, while the forecast still shows a high mix of providers globally, uh, the volume of companies joining the mix as service providers uh, might also continue to rise and,
1: yeah. uh, and how that will shape up for the industry's uh, growth? Absolutely. Um, so there's two things going on there. One, you've got um, a maturity uh, in service providers like network service providers and they've obviously established a lot of interconnection to to help support and run the internet and other things like that. So they already had a larger volume or mix of of the bandwidth. However, um, as traffic shifts either towards the edge or more towards the core and cloud adjacency, we've seen interconnection of, of enterprises to enterprises directly just going up. And so for a while there, enterprises looked like they were gonna go past service providers um, essentially in terms of traffic exchange. But um, what we found is that there are new service providers coming to the market every year. And when we say service providers, it's cloud and IT services. So you've got software services, you've got um, hardware or infrastructure as a service, like GPUs as a service, models as a service with AI. All these new companies are coming up and being created and building infrastructure and capacity to sell their services to the enterprises and the ecosystem which again is helping enterprises not have to build it all themselves. <laughs> and so they're subscribing to those services, in which case the balance shifted back a bit towards providers and providers are now growing, you know, significantly in terms of being in position to help this enterprise transformation and scale. And so service pro- new service providers coming on board and delivering their services in, in, in new ways is driving the numbers back up. Got it. Um... David, I, I know
0: you had a few questions. If you can, hear me. Did you want to dive in with one?
2: Yeah, uh, the with 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 the the prevalence of serv- of new service providers and obviously established service providers like yourself, uh, it seems that the uh, the IT consumption model is changing or is is circling back once again to the single throat to choke uh, mm-hmm. model. Um, Did you find that to be the case? Are your customers going, okay, I need a really solid partner to work with. I'm going to pick one rather than try to pick and choose from point solutions.
1: Yeah. um, In a way. So uh, that's a little bit more nuanced than that. I would say that they want more strategic partners, not just vendors. So if they had like 170 vendors, they're going to narrow it down to who are my top five or top 10 strategic partners, um, and they would look after specific spaces. So you're right, there might be one for, for who am I using for um, a particular uh, capacity like data management, et cetera, but you're gonna have an ecosystem stack, right? So there's there's a set of them that they're collectively building um, to, to help solve the complexity and growth and scale and management of this infrastructure. And we've seen that because uh, the the rate of pace is so fast and the level of complexity and scale is so big um, and the skill sets they have don't necessarily add up to being. You can't be an expert in everything, um, and so they had to leverage partners and providers who are hyper-specialized in that function to do that function for them, where they where they don't need where it's not business differentiating, and so they can they actually are composing their infrastructure with a series of set of providers that are the people they focus on and depend on to help them move quicker.
2: Well, the the location message used to be. Um... Our business is running data centers. Your business is your business. And
1: how has that changed, say, in in the last five years then? Yeah, um, well, if you think about it, what we saw uh, happening in technology, I think, is now happening in regular business. So, for example, as a company, if I start a business, my expertise might be in a particular function, but I'm not going to be an expert in payments processing, so I'm not going to build a payments processing function inside my company, I'm just going to subscribe to one of the several payments processing functions that are out there. It's the same in infrastructure. I don't necessarily need to build a data center in order to run my, you know, my private AI. In fact, I'm not going to be necessarily very good at that. The demands of that infrastructure are really high. The efficiency requirements are also really high. Um, I need someone who already knows how to do that and is trusted and providing a provider that can do that. And I'm going to use it to get the capability I want. But I don't have to invest the skills and capital and resources to own it, especially if I'm the only one using it and it's not necessarily generating generating revenue. So that's that's kind of the shift I was saying is that, you know, instead of trying to do everything themselves, you can't compete against the ecosystem. The ecosystem will win. So instead, capitalize on the ecosystem by leveraging as much as you can that's ready to go and only hyper-specializing on the thing that's differentiating value for your business.
0: Understood, um, it, in light of that point, I wanted to take you back to the uh, the uh, the question uh, with uh, enterprises. Uh, the GXI report found that enterprises are growing at a 39% uh, uh, CAGR, uh, which yep. is twenty five percent faster than service providers. Yeah. Um. And even since uh, the pandemic, uh, I just wanted to ask, how have you seen enterprises leaning on digital providers like Equinix to focus on responding to uh, to business needs?
1: Yeah. And and honestly, by industry it can differ. Um. And by maturity it can differ. Um. Obviously, we were talking about um service providers being well and truly entrenched in providing data and and network-based services as a career. Um, That's why that maturity sort of shows them being so high because they started a lot sooner, right? They were already fairly established. Same with financial services, electronic trading, content, digital media. They're all obviously very digital. But now we've got healthcare and manufacturing and like hospitals and healthcare providers and pharmaceutical companies all massively investing in technology to enable their business models to be more efficient, more competitive um, and you know, cost effective. And that's being driven by a lot of OT. So as soon as we saw the rise of IOT and you know, medical device management, autonomous vehicles, you know, monitoring stations, um, waste management, um, all of the building management systems, all those things in the field that other industries depend on to have a direct bottom line on, on, on their business have, have been booming. Um, and so it's, it's sort of happening from edge in now, whereas pro- general providers work like cloud out, um, t- typically enterprises are working edge in, they're coming back the other way. And so we're seeing the growth, not only the growth in, in interconnection bandwidth and use of data going up dramatically, but their deployments at the edge are, are far greater and, and growth rate is far greater than that of, of providers because providers are either already there or there isn't necessarily a business reason to go that far. Um, so we're starting to see the edge come alive um, with data, with with devices, and with um, with intelligence being being uh, deployed. You know where they interact with the physical world.
0: Understood. Now, kind of taking it from a a micro to macro uh, sort of perspective. I, another point in the report is that by 2025, 20, 85% of global companies will uh, have expanded multi-cloud access across mm-hmm. uh, several, several reasons. Uh, can, can you sort of uh, fit that into the picture uh, for us uh, with uh, yeah. the uh, enabling a multi-cloud that uh, Equinix
1: uh, can do? Yeah, absolutely. So clearly that's, that's one of our wheelhouse items. We have the most cloud on-ramps in the world. So our visibility into how much people are using the different hyperscalers is fairly unique. Um, and it's not so much that, you know, people using cloud. We know that that's that's, that's an, an important part of anyone's digital infrastructure. But the reality is they're using almost all of the hyperscalers. Um, the idea that you're only going to use one um, cloud provider might, might work for a particular business unit um, or an application team. But as a company, we see that they're using all four of the top four. Um, And and then you've got disaster recovery and and distributed functions around the world. You can't do that just in one region. So then how, you know, they set up the, the likewise, they set up the same sort of cloud adjacent infrastructure in multiple regions around the world and within each region, multiple locations for disaster recovery and failover. So you minimally end up with six locations around the world for a multinational enterprise, minimally. Sometimes they go to eight and they're connected in those locations to multiple clouds and dozens of SaaS applications. And so we're basically saying that this, if you just follow this trend forward, it's it's ultimately going to be the majority of all multinational enterprises are going to be multi-cloud connected in multiple regions around the world um, in the in the very near future, um, because it's already headed that way.
0: Thank you uh, for connecting those dots for us. Uh, David, I know you had a couple more questions. Uh, One uh, about the report, one about uh, a sustainability point, and then the other on uh, regulatory stuff. Did you want to uh, put uh, either or both of those
2: forth? Well, you were just talking about uh, working with all four major hyperscalers and and people building in different regions. Um, There is so much uh, regulatory compliance required around the world these days. And uh, it seems that every region is getting its own set of requirements. Um, how, are, how are you and your customers dealing with that? or are you just looking at most restrictive and, and putting that across the board?
1: Yeah. Um, well it's 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 the other side of the, the challenge that, that most CIOs are facing today. While everyone's trying to innovate and move quicker and you know replatform and be innovative and compete in the digital economy, um, you also have to make sure you're doing that in a sustainable way. Uh, because, you know, all companies are being held accountable for that now, um, even to the extent that you have to actually report, um, especially if you're a public company, report on, on how you're doing with your, you know, scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions, and what and, and what your targets and objectives are. Um, and so, you know, it, it's concerning, because, you know, you have to make sure you're balancing both, and, and the risk. So sustainability is sort of environmental, sure, but it's also social. So how are you improving people's communities and lives as part of what you're doing? And governance, which is regulations. Um, and yeah, the, the regulations are fairly scary. If you know, there are over 600 um, regulations related to our industry in, in digital infrastructure um, across 84 countries. And so if you're a multinational enterprise and you do something or something happens that breaks you know, a, a data privacy trust, for example, you could be fined by multiple governments uh, simultaneously. Um, if you operate in all those countries and so you know adding to that that conversation we're having just a minute ago about where do you place your cloud adjacent infrastructure and cloud adjacent storage etc it's a lot of that reason is because you have to have sovereignty covered um, regardless of if a policy changes again tomorrow your infrastructure doesn't need to change or you don't need to re-architect everything Um, so regulations are a big deal risk is a big deal Um, And a lot of companies are being careful about where they place their critical infrastructure to make sure that if something does change in a regulatory approach or an environmental or an outside influence hits them, they can pivot quickly to compensate or address the problem um, and stay in business uh, as a result of doing that. Understood. Uh,
0: Thank you. Now, um, maybe the, Have we talked about the uh, how the GXI report found that 80% of enterprises will design and run new digital IT infrastructure using subscription based services by 26 and, and asking whether the report indicates a broad acceptance of that subscription business model or is growth in that segment slower than other
1: comparable activities. Well, yeah, well, let's just connect the dots on what we were just saying, right? Technology is refreshing far quicker than people can keep up with. It's being distributed all over the world, right? And it's far complex, far more complex than people can handle. The, the environmental requirements around that um, require a level of efficiency and, and uh, you know, understanding of the technology that most enterprises on their own shouldn't need to have or don't have. Um, they can't run a data center at 1.2 PUE. They, they're running them at like at three. And so we've got energy prices going up, which is impacting them dramatically. So owning a data center unless you're a SaaS provider or a LASCAL provider, is becoming a boat anchor to some degree. Um, you know, all and they've got regulations going up, you know, that you've got to pay attention to. All of these things are making it so hard right. that inevitably you need help. And so you're gonna subscribe to almost everything you can with the trusted partners you you know, you know believe in and only limit your resources and your capabilities to the things that you can control and that you should spend all your time and focus on um, and build up that you've got the ecosystems got your back uh, rather than try and do everything yourself. And so, yeah, it's gonna shift more and more functions to do I really need to do this myself or am I betting, better off getting the capability immediately without having to wait to invest the time to figure out how to be an expert in that service or function. Very
0: well put. Thank you. Well, as we're coming to the uh, end of our uh, time here on the podcast, um, you mentioned that it's the uh, seventh uh, iteration of the uh, Global uh, Interconnection Index uh, report. Um, Is there uh, anything uh, uh, new or uh, additional for this year uh, that maybe we haven't touched on so far? um, in this discussion uh, that, that you wanted to uh, close with, in terms of uh, you know
1: points of discovery in uh, cool. in this year's report. Yeah, I think I think what this report sort of highlighted or called out uh, more discreetly was we've been doing digital transformation. You know, all enterprises have for like several years, but some people's digital transformation was different than others. Meaning, some transformed their business practices changed their revenue streams, and started to start receiving more revenue and and more capabilities through digital and digital services. Others did a lot of cloud-first cloud migration, a lot of replatforming, a lot of technology upgrades, but their actual business processes didn't really change that much at all. And so what happened is they saw costs of technology go up, but they didn't see respective revenue accounting for that. So when we said there's that pivot point between you know, owning versus subscribing, there's also one where companies are now thinking of technology as a cost of revenue model, not a total cost of ownership model. TCO is something you cap, right? Protect, limit, and control. But if technology is driving your revenue, you don't want to cap, <laughs> limit, and control that or keep it down. You actually want to invest in your technology because you should be seeing revenue at the same time. So what I'm saying there is a lot of companies are in this middle, we call them fast followers or the the followers that tried to go in and transform, but didn't see the business ROI. And they've now sort of stuck with clouds too expensive and all these different things. It's actually just being not used appropriately or or effectively for business revenue. They're pivoting and doubling down and moving faster now because they realize that they've lost time, but they have to still get to the same level as, as their competitors in the same industry. And so there's a little bit of a, an arms race on, on technology capabilities, um, which, you know again, is sort of forcing people to need help. Um, and so my advice for, for enterprises is, look at who your top strategic partners are, look at their roadmap, and look at how much of this they can take on for you so you don't have to do it all yourself because you do need to move faster, much faster than you currently are. Um, and that's, that's pretty much the summary of the message.
0: Very good. Well, Steve, uh, thanks so much to uh, you and Equinix. I guess we'll leave it there for now, but it's always a pleasure to uh, have Equinix uh, on the podcast, not only a top shelf, uh, really foundational uh, data center operator, but also uh, an industry authority. So uh, we really uh, value uh, the commentary, the perspective, and uh, the ability to uh, to have a talk here. So uh, thanks again.
1: Thank you for having me.